This episode of Pondering Nerdcast was brought to you by GamingRebellion.com. Join the community today at GamingRebellion.com, where it's more than just games. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to the Pondering Nerdcast. Uh, this is our interview with um, pretty much a man of everything in my opinion of uh the movie star trek horizon and the uh new upcoming uh project uh, that remind me the name of it again before i forget uh discovery project discovery project discovery okay cool because i was just about to call it discovery something else but it's project discovery yes just think the space shuttle (laughs) yes yes Uh, we're here with uh uh, tommy craft um the you know i'm I'm sure i'll put it this way if you're on YouTube in any way, shape, or form, I'm sure you've seen Star Trek Horizon. If you haven't, you're wrong, and you should go see it, like right now, in my opinion. <laughs> you know? I agree. Yes. Over a million views and counting. Yes. And uh, joining me tonight as well is uh, our, uh, Agro Sky as well. Yeah, or Zach Smith, whatever you Zach want to call Smith. me. <laughs> uh, you know, he goes by many names. The man of many names. Yeah. Also talking yes. to the man of many hats when it comes to, uh, it, well... It, in my opinion, something of a great achievement of putting out this feature-length Star Trek movie on YouTube, you know? Um, Thank you. Yeah, and it's... Uh, um, I've watched it, like, three times. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> you oh, know? Wow. Yeah, I, I, I had to, man. It was just... Um, not just for the show, but just as a fan of Star Trek and just as a fan of people who do independent works and projects and put this stuff out there, which is, like, you can tell it's a labor of love, you know? Well, thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoy it. So you know, but uh, enough of me, uh, you know, bragging about how many times I watched it, but how much I love it. But uh, <laughs> let's get into some. I of the mean, I'm here. not going to stop you. Yes, I, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it too. I watched it uh, the day it came out, and I loved it, and I, I just couldn't believe my eyes. You know, um, thanks. Yeah, it was really, especially when I heard there was, you know, one guy. I, I, I remember seeing the trailer for it last year, I think, and I thought, wow. I'm like, I wonder how many people worked on this thing. This looks pretty professional. (laughs) (laughs) And when I heard the truth about it all, one guy, basement, green, a green screen that's smaller than the green screen I have, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is crazy, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, man, uh, congratulations on a remarkable achievement for sure. Well, thank you. I I really appreciate that. But I do have to say – you know, Lance still gets the award for having watched it three times. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> three times yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's it's not very long. It's like you know, traditional uh, around ninety minutes or so. Well, a little over ninety minutes, yeah. but hour and uh, forty two minutes. Yeah, and it's uh, I like it's just a very enjoyable thing to watch. Like it's um, the the story is very interesting. Um, the, you know, the visuals are very interesting, and it's just like because in my like for me personally as a star trek fan since i haven't seen anything of recent besides the you know uh jj abrams uh star trek movies they're they're taking forever to put anything out and you know so it's like this is great (laughs) this is just great for me personally uh but uh tommy tell could you tell everyone like you know how long did this project take from like start to completion like when you just, you know, you finally sat there like, all right, this is my final cut. Put it up. 
you know, like, uh, yeah, it was about three and a half years, uh, December, 2012 to February of 2016. Um, so long time, long time in the works. And I basically did most of it myself. I did have some help on it too, but mostly it was done myself, which is why part of why it took so long for me to get it done. Oh, okay, okay. Um, one thing I have to I definitely have to ask you about is um, there's a lot of special effects, a lot of um, different um, assets that I see you use with the, you know, um, just the environments that were that were you know the character the actors had to interact with and the characters had to be in. You created all that from scratch, or like, do you have like a background in special effects to to this? Or you just like, well, you know, it's gonna take me this long. I'm just gonna make it all from scratch and just it's gonna be mine. Well, I mean, when I started the project, I didn't have, you know, my experience in film is, I mean, this is what I want to do professionally mm. and I have been, and I've been working on getting to a point where I do it even more professionally. But my experience prior to Horizon was that I had done some visual effects stuff, but not much. I'm all self-taught. I never went to school for it. And when I was starting Horizon, it was a definitely a big learning experience, and I cut my teeth, as they say, with visual effects and with a lot of other things making mm. Horizon. Oh, okay. uh, and so, like, all of the virtual sets, which is basically every set in the movie, uh, I made most of those myself from scratch. There were a few people that contributed some virtual sets here and there, but I used, you know, 3ds Max and Photoshop, After Effects, and all that. Oh, wow. To was... create all this stuff, yeah, from from uh, from scratch and build it up from the ground. Oh, okay, cool. So you, you ran the gambit of different programs to get this uh, get the look that you were looking for. Yeah, well, I mean, and and you have to as well. I mean, one of the biggest things that I learned, and I think a lot of people who aren't as experienced, and certainly I wasn't when I started either, was that you never get your final product out of one application. Mm. And it takes a lot of steps from start to finish when you're creating any sort of asset image, you know, moving images, whatever, to get to your final image where it finally looks good. And so it really did require bouncing around between all of these different applications to get a uh, a final product that looked decent. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, well, that's something i have i guess i could personally like relate to as well because I, I do a lot of video editing on my end but mostly for like you know podcasts and websites and stuff like that um so but yeah i definitely know what you mean by you know like utilizing so many different tools just to get what you want um but i, I one question that i have to ask before I, i'm asking a bunch of questions here and I'll, I'll give zach a chance um yeah, go for it i'm i'm like a hardware nerd when it comes to computing power and stuff like that did you, like what did you was this mostly on Macs or PC? Like, I was wondering you, this too. <laughs> you know, like like how many computers did you have to go through, or just like you just had one super rig that you just did this on? Uh, well, I've always been a PC guy for starters, um, and I started on just the standard desktop computer with like an i7 and some sort of Nvidia graphics card. I don't remember what. After my Kickstarter, I upgraded to it was basically like a six or seven thousand dollar server workstation. Oh, wow. Okay. And that was basically to give me the hard drive space and processing power and graphics power I needed. A Xenon to, processor or something. Yeah. What I've got is a dual uh, Xeon 
uh, E5 2620 that's clocked at 2.10 gigahertz. So I'm looking at upgrading that at some point to something a bit faster. But uh, and the video card is an NVIDIA Quadro K4000, uh, which I'm also going to upgrade at some point. Like I'd really like one of those NVIDIA Titans Mm. or a couple of them even. But uh, but yeah, that's that's my station. I did everything on basically this one computer. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Yeah, so you definitely had a beast of a computer to get this done, and, and yeah, yeah, and it still wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say probably some of that stuff probably still took forever to render. You know? Oh um, yeah, I mean, I definitely saw an improvement in render time. And one of the things, like, I mean, logistically, the way renders work in 3ds Max and V-Ray, which are the applications I use for 3D rendering, is it has what's called buckets, and you have one bucket for every thread mm. of processor. So, you know, I have six uh, or 12 cores, I believe. Oh, wow. It's been a while since I bought it. And so that would be 24 threads. Um, So previously on my old computer, I had eight buckets and a bucket is basically a square in your image. And, you know, so like in a 1920 by 1080 image, an HD image, uh, you have eight little squares that render a section of your image. And so when you then have uh, 24 threads, you have 24 little squares all going at the same time, rendering your image. So you do have a, uh, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but basically the more uh, threads you have in your processor and the faster your processor, obviously the faster the render you're going to get. So that was beneficial, but, you know, it's still like some of the stuff that was full HD or more uh, would, uh, would, depending on the shot and how close the details were, could take, you know, anywhere from... 20 minutes to an hour per frame. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. At 24 frames a second. Trust me, that's probably faster than what anybody has. <laughs> like, as a, you know, if you're, if you're like an independent, uh, independent creator of any sort of yeah. content. Um, I mean, I definitely am envious. I do want a, a rig like that at some point in my career. That's <laughs> been making this stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking to build one this year, actually, although I don't know if it's going to be on that level. But, yeah, I yeah, I can relate to what you're saying. I dabble in video editing a bit myself, so but nothing like nothing like Horizon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all about those processors and the GPU. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you have any questions you want to ask? Yeah. Uh, most of mine are in relation to the new project. Um, oh, well, so. Um, Go ahead, Lance. Keep asking, and I'll I'll chime in when I when I think of <laughs> when All I think right, of cool. things. To ask. Okay, no problem. Um, so um, so I asked you about the computer stuff and everything like that. Uh, what uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is uh, about your the, the so I would say when one of the characters introduced the compression rifle, um, I just wanted to know is that a render or was that like a actual prop that you that you got built or did you build that yourself or and also no, it was a go ahead oh and i was gonna ask you also uh where did the concept come from for that particular rifle for this one right it was a real prop it was made out of wood actually uh, i did not build that one myself there's this guy or a few people on ebay i don't know if they're still there but they go by triple fiction productions mm. and they basically build and paint wooden uh, star trek like props okay and so you know and they, they weren't terribly expensive and i needed somebody to build me a prototype phase compression rifle and so I emailed them at one point and I was like, hey, you know, I need something that could be uh, a prototype 
to what we see later in TNG and Voyager and all that with the phase compression rifle. So they came up with that and made it and I bought it and, and used it in the movie. Uh, and I, you know, I thought they did a good job on it and on camera, you nice. know, when you, when you're holding it in your hands, it obviously looks and feels like a wooden prop, but on camera, I think it works pretty well. Yeah. I couldn't tell. That's why I was looking at it. It was like, wow, that's pretty nice. <laughs> like, yeah, just, oh, it, yeah. I really, I really love how that was all put together. Um, and, you know, it's just like wow, it's really cool prop going. Yeah, on. Yeah, what other? I know the the um, uh, what what was the guy's name? The bad guy. <sighs> yeah, the guy with the uh, the CG rendered helmet. I remember seeing. Yeah, something that was about that. Yeah. Okay. What What was the reason? Why did you have to end up rendering that helmet? Was it just the well, prop malfunction or something? Yeah. Because so I could, I didn't know. I couldn't even tell that, that it was a CG helmet. I thought yeah. it was just oh, wow. a helmet. You know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. a real helmet. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. Um. Well, so basically the thing is I – one of the things I got after my Kickstarter was a 3D printer so I could 3D print more props for the movie, which is really cool. Uh, but there is a big learning curve to 3D printers, and I basically went through a lot of time wasted trying to print off the helmet. And uh, and the problem is it takes a very long time because the build volume is not very big on these 3D printers. So I had to basically split the helmet into like 10 pieces or something like that, print them out one at a time, glue them together, and then paint it and all of that. So the problem I had was it took me forever to get all the pieces printed out. I put them together and I printed it too small. (laughs) So I didn't then have enough time before the shoot date, which I couldn't postpone because it was so hard to schedule a shoot to reprint the helmet and then also have a time to paint it and everything. And so I just wound up having to shoot without the helmet, but I really needed it because we needed to be able to cover up his, his, uh, Vulcan ears. So we didn't know that he was, had that Vulcan lineage. Mm. Um, and so as it turns out though, I think that the 3d, the CG helmet probably actually looked better than a real one would have because I would not have been able to, paint a real helmet and make it look as good as I was able to make a CG helmet just because I'm so much more experienced with CG. So it, it, yeah. So I just wound up working out better in the end anyway. But what I had to do was I had to go in every single shot of that guy (laughs) and I had to do a 3d motion track on his face. Different angles. And right. Yeah. I was thinking that what a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, the thing is, you know, his head moves and you can't just do a 2d track like a left, right, up and down. Because it's a it's a, a movement in 3D space. He turns and moves forward and backward, left and right, up and down in all axes. So that had to be entirely uh, camera matched, motion tracked, uh, every shot, and then imported into 3ds Max with that animation data, and then linked to the helmet model, and then rendered for every shot. So it was a lot of work and a lot of pieces. Wow. So that so that helmet. <laughs> Between the 3D printing and all that you had to do, <laughs> you know, I wonder if that's the most time-consuming thing you did. Probably uh, not, but it's uh, probably yeah, up there. It's up there. It wound up being surprisingly pretty time-consuming because you have to. I mean, there's also the time spent modeling it in 3ds Max and texturing it and and all of that jazz. So it was definitely a pretty big piece of the movie for something that's not even on screen that much. Mm. You wanted to get it right anyway, so. Right. But it, and, it, and it worked because, like I said, I couldn't tell if it was couldn't a real either. helmet or not. So, 
I didn't know until I saw it on the uh, Project Discovery Kickstarter page when you when you <laughs> pointed that out. I was like, oh. wow, are you, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm glad I tricked you. <laughs> yeah, you did. Tricked a lot of us. That uh, You also had the scene with the... Uh, and I read this uh, in another interview you, you did about this movie, about um, the scene where it zooms around the uh, the Vulcan, uh, or the not the, the Romulan. He's Romulan, right? I'm sorry, it's yep. been a while since I've yeah. seen the movie. Um, you did that. You put the guy on a chair in front of a green screen. You spun him around, right? And it, and it made the illusion of the camera spinning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a, that was I a good trick... shot, too. A really oh, thank good you. shot. Uh, I, I learned that trick from, I think, a Sin City special feature because that movie was so heavily green screen, of course. And there was this shot where they have a crane shot that, that cranes up and the camera pulls back and it rotates, uh, you know, kind of and in the movie. It looks like a helicopter shot. Helicopters pulling away from this balcony. And when you see the actual clip, all they did was they had the camera on a short Craig and it just moved a little bit, basically up and down. And the actors were on a turntable and you had some, you know, probably minimum wage grip crew person off to the side, just taking that platform and, and rotating it. Uh, uh, so, you know, the scene I'm talking about, Lance, where did we're talking about? I don't remember. No. Um, is that the uh, uh, damn? I mean, I've watched it three times. I should remember, shouldn't I? Well, it's, it's the opening. It, I've actually I used the trick a couple times in the movie. There's the one with Admiral Varick mm-hmm. in the first. Uh, it's about I think six or seven minutes into the movie, where he hails the Discovery and he says, you know, turn over the fugitive, and Romulan Star Empire making sort of showing you leniency. And that first shot of him is a shot that starts from behind him, and the camera rotates around him. Ah, and then okay. it happens, yeah. yeah. Then it happens again later before they warp off to the big space battle where Hawk is given his message about how we're about to go into a dangerous situation, yada yada. Right. Uh, so yep. all I did was I just had the actor sit in the chair and then, you know, I had somebody sit behind them. And in the case with Captain Hawk, it was actually me because I couldn't have a person on set. So I had to go turn this chair. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and then in post, you just rotate your camera, your virtual camera, mm-hmm. in the opposite direction that your actor is rotating. It creates the illusion of it. That's really yep. cool. Yeah, and once the green screen all goes away, you know, there's this illusion that you have a camera rotating around the person. Oh, it's really neat. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And in a lot of in a lot of the scenes where people are walking, you had used treadmills, right? You just had them walking on a treadmill and then shot yeah, them behind was, the green screen. Yep. There was actually only one scene where I did that, and it was the oh, scene really? with Hawk okay. and Francis, um, where they're talking about Francis talks about how I'd toss her out an airlock, yada yada. They were both on a treadmill, but because we didn't have any money, and for a second treadmill or a big treadmill. I had to film both actors separately. And then, and then composite them together later. <laughs> right, but it was kind of hard because it was a conversation scene where timing was important and you couldn't cut away because it was just one angle the whole time. So when we filmed it, they were there together, but they delivered their lines together, but I had to film each person separately. It was a real nightmare. Okay. Uh, but the other walking scenes were, were much simpler. I just had a person walk in front of the green screen and the camera was still. Mm. And then in post... I would uh, take that shot of them and I would digitally zoom into the shot the further they got away from the camera. So that way it then looks like when you cut out the green, the camera stays at a constant distance behind them as they're walking forward. Mm. Uh, so there was that kind of stuff too. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. 
See, Very I'm learning all the stuff right now listening to you. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm glad I could teach. Yes, yes. Um, the, I would say one thing. When I first, when Zach first told me about the uh, movie and like the first 10 minutes, uh, he could probably he can attest to this. I was like in chat. I was like, did did they just teleport a, a planet? Like, what the? F-? <laughs> I, was, I was like, yo, that was probably like one of the coolest moments in the movie for me, and uh, just it just definitely like brought me in. You know, like the, oh, cool. the, and I think that you know for any narrative that you're telling or you know whether visual or not, like you need that first. Um in a set piece or whatever you may call it and just like boom like, okay, yeah big wow um, factor the movie did yeah. start with a big wow factor it was, it was like uh, whoa yeah. <laughs> and uh, I really 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 enjoyed that um, seeing that it was just like it's just like whoa what what just happened <laughs> it's like it's like and and now you know you learn later on and stuff like that which is right you know, I don't want to give anything away if if you know, people who are listening haven't watched this yet so um, yeah. I mean, but thank you. Uh, I'm glad you liked that scene. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really uh, awesome. Um, oh, uh, yeah. One last question about the movie. Um, so this is Star Trek. So definitely, you know, when the ships are going through space and everything like that, there are a bunch of different worlds. And I just wanted to know, uh, you know, for my special effects, you know, nerd in me, it's like you model all those worlds yourself, especially when they went down on the uh, one of the planets when they discovered that. Um, well, I guess, you know, ancient machine or future machine. Um, was that like all you're doing or you just like use, you know, already existing models? Uh, well, that was one of the two scenes that we shot in a real woods, like oh. in, like on an actual location. Nice. Uh, so we went out to some park like woods in the Detroit area. Uh, we were going to pay like the Detroit Parks Association or whatever to do it legit. So I called them. It's like, hey, you know, I just have a small like production. Like, what can I do to get a permit? And they said they charged me like a thousand dollars. And it's like, well, that's yeah. not happening. <laughs> so I just went out and did it guerrilla style. Didn't tell anyone I was doing it. And it was fine. We got a best with way. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, when you don't have money, best way. Uh, and so uh, that was shot in that woods. And then in post, I digitally turned it pink. Mm. And the monument was, uh, you know, a CG model that I created and textured and, and dropped in there in post. The 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 shot, um, the aerial shot of the mountain with the monument and that little montage sequence before the wood scene was, you know, all, st- all stuff that I put together mm. uh, with, with 3D models and such. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I don't Very have any cool. more. I don't have any more questions because uh, I do want to watch the movie a fourth time again. <laughs> um, but Zach, you uh, want to continue your question with the uh, new project because that you know. Yeah. First, I wanted to. Uh, yeah, leading in, leading into that, um, ask you one more Star Trek related question, which is, uh, you seemed okay with CBS asking you to stop production on the sequel to Horizon. Obviously, I'm sure you're disappointed, but you took it really well and frankly like a man you know oh, you, didn't, you didn't cry and complain and like some of the people i've seen that do that kind of stuff but uh oh, whoever could you be talking about i know right <laughs> the internet how do you feel about uh about cbs's behavior towards fan films now between between you and axanar and the ongoing axanar lawsuit i mean you worked on prelude axanar um correct a lot. Yeah, yeah a lot uh so how do you, how uh, do you feel about all this you know i actually i interviewed alec uh peters uh or, Earlier last year, um, real yeah. nice guy, and we talked a lot about Axanar and Prelude and all that. Uh, how do you how do you feel about it? Well, I mean, the the nutshell answer is that the whole situation is just foobar. 
you know, I don't think that CBS is a big mean giant that's out to squash people's fun. Mm. And it is the 50th anniversary of Trek, which I think probably has a lot to do with it. I, I, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is, you know, whatever your, you'd think, but the problem is whatever your opinions on Axon are and what you think they may or may not have done, they there's one thing that can be said, and that's there was something much different about that particular venture entirely yeah. than any other fan film. And there was a, there were there are and were a lot of differences with that one and, and other ones. And there was some reason, whatever it was, that caused CBS to take notice of Axanar. And now I think they are in a an awkward position because for whatever reason they felt they had to do something about Axanar. And now it's like, well, we can't really play favorites. You know, we probably should, uh, you know, come down equally on this situation. And, you know, like one thing that I've heard from someone I talked to is that the CBS and Paramount, like they're genuinely concerned for the fans. Like, you know, they want to protect their IP and protect the fans from potentially being taken advantage of, you know, there's just, there's so many different angles to this thing. That's an interesting and, angle I hadn't heard before. That, that's hmm. yeah. When I yeah. when I heard that, I was I I found that interesting as well, um, and it makes a lot of sense because they're not suing everybody else. You know, they're suing right. one, and you know, Renegades made a lot of money and never got sued. Continues yeah. Phase yeah. Two, all that. So, and it's not the quality issue. A lot of people say, "Oh, they're getting shut down because of quality." That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, like. You can say what you want, but my $28,000 movie, as proud of it as I am, can't hold up to a $200 million epic in Hollywood. Um, But I do appreciate people who say that it can. Trust me, I do appreciate that. Well, the visual effects, uh, at least some of them, I would say, are on par with, uh, with, you know, I think a lot of these these huge budget movies... just suffer from you know suffer from CGI overload you know and there's so much that you know I'd say about half of it looks fake you know in in the end and I think yours uh, well of course there were some scenes that look better than others but right my God man I mean <laughs> I think it I think it holds up you know oh, well, thank well you. to uh, appreciate you know, that. at least some of the uh, the bigger budget movies I've seen right. it looks a hell of a lot better than than Renegades did for sure I mean oh, no no offense to Renegades but. But you know, hopefully it looks at better. least better than Sharknado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, yeah, but you got a great attitude about it, man. That, that's oh, thanks. That's, well, and you know, refreshing. The, you know, thank you. And and the thing with that is just that you know, I I realized that there was no other recourse. Mm. Like I, it's yeah. I mean, like literally, when the guy called me, I like I didn't. All I said was, "Well, I." I guess I'll cancel my plans then. I, like, there's nothing else I can say because they own the copyright and we are playing in their sandbox. Yeah, and if you were to so, continue with it, they probably would have sent you a cease and desist eventually, or a letter from the lawyer, and right. uh, you know, or a lawsuit. You know, so yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, yeah, exactly. Let uh, so, let Alec and those guys fight the fight and see what ha- see what comes of it. I guess it's really all <laughs> they're willing to yeah. do it. So yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, in my opinion was like for me, I'm a filmmaker like that's my passion. I'm passionate about telling stories. And so 
I have so many stories in my head. I have so many stories I've written and haven't told and in the process of writing and haven't told that if I am in the position where I can't make one, I'll just make another one because I have so many that I'm waiting to get out. And that was that was my approach. It's like, well, it sucks. I would like to have told the Federation Rising story. I thought we had a really cool story that Ryan and I came up with, Mm. but it isn't meant to be. So we have to move on. Yeah. Well, and speaking of moving on, uh, Project Let's Disco- move on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Project Discovery, your uh, which is now live on Kickstarter. It's been live for what about eleven days now? I think yep. something like that. Yeah, you're asking for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is roughly what nine times uh, what uh, Horizon costs to make. Yep. So you're asking for a, you know, still a very small budget compared to what most movies are made for, but but quite a bit more. Um, also, I. I after watching your video and reading all about it, uh, it seems really ambitious and really high concept. Um, elaborate a little bit and uh, exactly how do you plan on accomplishing this? This, but I think is kind of a, a really crazy bold idea. <laughs> well, I mean, the short answer is that Horizon was a really crazy bold That's idea. That's true. It was, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and for me, literally everything I do has to be a step forward from the last thing I did. It can't be a step sideways or a step backwards. Hmm. And so the short film that I did before Horizon, which I think wasn't that great <laughs> looking back on it, but it was called <laughs> Eliza Newton and it was a superhero film, short film. And that was a huge step for me because it was really visual effects heavy. It was high concept. And, you know, I had to move forward from that. And so moving forward, I chose to do something even more crazy, a sci-fi feature film for basically no money, a Star Trek feature film, nonetheless. And I think it turned out okay. I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. And so the concept with Project Discovery is to do the same thing. I want to be nine times bigger and better because I'm asking for nine times more money. And part of this whole moving forward thing is I want to always, if I can, do something I haven't done before. And so I've made a movie almost entirely by myself and now, you know, you want help. <laughs> yeah, I would like some help and I would like to shoot it in a real green screen studio. You know, I like it's not going to be crazy like a real like a Hollywood set where you have hundreds of people. But, you know, I'd like a director of photography and a few grips and first camera assistant and second camera assistant and and, uh, you know, some help on the visual effects side. But it's still going to also be largely me as well. Yeah. And that's how you save money. That's how I was able to do Horizon for so cheap. Because I didn't have to pay anyone because I was doing it all myself. Yeah, pretty much so, in your parents' basement, yeah. Yeah, well, and you know, I would just sit there for hours and hours and hours all day, every day, working on the movie by myself. Yeah. It was literally all I did. So, you know, this Project Discovery is just continuing what I've done before, but doing it in a bigger and better way. And it is important, too, that people understand that $250,000 is like what you spend on an indie, low-budget drama in Hollywood. Right. And like, yeah. even a lot of those have budgets of more than a million dollars. With no visual effects whatsoever. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's crazy the amount of money that flows through Hollywood. It's uh, like I was talking to some guy the other day about doing visual effects for his movie. And potentially, he doesn't know if he's going to do it, but he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm thinking like five to $10,000 for this. It's only going to be like 15 to 20 shots you'll have to do it. I'm like, oh, okay, like, I mean, that's a pretty small budget, so, like, how much am I going to be paid? And he's like, oh, no, no, that's, like, that's how much I'm, I want to pay you. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, and and he wanted to pay me that because an actual effects house was too expensive. So, 
like and that's for 20 shots at most it's just you know when oh, you think about how expensive, so expensive, yeah, so expensive things yeah actually are in in hollywood it's because it's time consuming man yeah. it is time consuming but it's also overpriced in my well, yeah i guess so there is you that. know like like robert downey does not need 40 million dollars for one picture well, like i know not. he works hard and you know but still like but he commands that salary now because everyone he's tony stark you know he is <laughs> yeah. and people yeah. will pay it yeah so marvel pays it so he can yeah. command it yep. but um but you're right <laughs> but yeah i mean like it, it's needlessly expensive it's it's and so what we're doing is we're going to try to make another really good movie this time an original movie for more money than last time, but still almost no money. And the other important thing to understand, too, is that for people who are interested in donating, you don't get any money uh, through Kickstarter unless you reach your goal. So if we get 249000 in pledges, you don't get it. we don't get anything. And it is literally just a pledge. So how, come, I, how come you took Kickstarter and not Indiegogo? Because now Indiegogo, you can you can get whatever you... Because you, 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 you want to hit that goal, then you don't have... Right. Do you have a plan B? Like, what if, you know, what if you don't hit this goal? And um, what do you plan? I hate to bring that up, but it's obviously it's no, a real no, possibility. Yeah. What What uh, do you want to do? You're at sixteen thousand roughly now. You got forty nine right. days to go. Um, well, yeah. What would you do? What are you gonna do if that happens? So there, there's a couple options. The the reason we didn't go Indiegogo is because I thought, well, what if we make a hundred grand, or even worse, like we only make fifty grand. What am I going to do with 50 to 100 grand? And, and the important thing to realize, again, with cost is that if I'm going to shoot this on a real green screen soundstage and entirely on green screen, it's going for a 16 day shoot, which is a pretty short shoot. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost around twenty four thousand dollars just for the studio rental hmm. for 16 now days? for 16 days. That's right. Wow. And now we get to talk about actor salaries. This isn't a fan film anymore. It's a professional production, so everybody has to be paid. And if you get SAG actors, which is the the union, Screen Actors Guild, uh, unless you do like a modified low budget or a new media contract, you're going to be paid at least $500 to $1,000 per day for your SAG actors. Hmm. So not that big a deal if you have a SAG actor who's only got a few scenes. If your lead is a SAG and they have to be there for all sixteen thousand days or sixteen sixteen days, <laughs> it's only sixteen thousand dollars. It feels like sixteen thousand days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then you're already up to close to fifty thousand. You have catering. Wow. SAG requires you to have onset catering at all times, and that's going to cost you a few, like a, literally a couple thousand dollars per day. Uh, wow. Just for food, for food and just for whatever. Food. So literally for like one actor. A green screen studio and catering, we're already getting up close to a hundred grand. So, you know, I you're showing it, us why movies are so insanely expensive. You know? Yes, yes. Just, yes. <laughs> this is the reason. I mean, this is why a TV show, like an average episode, often costs more than a million dollars just for an episode. Yeah, and they have usually seven day shoots at most for a TV show. Um, and so. I mean, that's not even going into our post-production budget and so on. So I thought, like, if I had $100,000, what realistically could I do with it? And the answer is, like, not much. Uh, and so then I, I would be in the awkward position of, like, well, do I just keep the money? Like, I I don't know. Yeah. Literally, I don't know what I'd do with it. So that was a, not a, a no-go for me. The option, uh, if we don't make our goal, I would like to try and shop it to, you know, these companies that make crappy low budgets for like the sci-fi channel and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh 
because they those movies still have anywhere from a couple hundred thousand dollars, sometimes up to like seven hundred thousand dollars for a budget. Like a Sharknado has hundreds of thousands of dollars for a budget. Right. And I would like to say to them, you know, look at what I did for twenty eight thousand dollars. Give me a Sharknado budget and I will give you a movie you can, you know, because their job is to promote it and distribute it. That if you promote it and distribute it right, you could make a huge return on because it looks like a much more expensive movie. Mm. So that's my my plan B. The other option is that I just don't make the movie because I literally because if I have to do what I did on Horizon again, I don't have the energy. Yeah, you'll let the but, yeah. I, yeah, like uh, Horizon burned out on that. It's just too yeah. much for one person. It that was going to be my next question was, you know, would you could you envision yourself doing it yourself, you know, by yourself again, but probably not. Yeah. It's just too much. No. I mean, and the thing is like it's always great when you start out. Horizon was great when I started out. Like this is so much fun. I'm doing it all by myself. <laughs> uh that that wore off. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, know, I, I know. Yeah. I, I, and that's going to happen anytime. So like I like and you do reach a limit too on what you can do by yourself. Uh, you know, I like I said, I'm proud of what I did on Horizon. But I also realized, too, that if I had a team of really talented people, there were a lot of things that could have been better as well. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, here's another uh does the United States lack of enthusiasm for space travel and the closure of the shuttle program, did that give you any inspiration for the story of Project Discovery by any chance? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the whole inspiration for the story is like real history. Um, and if yeah, which I noticed in your video, the Kickstarter video. Yeah, you got Kenny right. up there talking and, and real footage yep. of the shuttles taking off. Yeah, and if anybody hasn't seen that, do check it out. Because like the, the gist of it is that when we had to beat the Russians to space in the 1960s, the, the, the dirty communists, the Soviets, uh, it became this like national space, space race. It was part of the cold war. And like, we can't let the, we can't let them win. We can't let them beat us. So that was why we went to the moon. And when Mm -hmm. we did that, we didn't care anymore. People generally didn't care. It, it, we, we lose, we lost funding. Uh, like almost immediately, the the amount of money NASA got from the federal government went from 4.5% down to like 2 and then to 1%. So now it's at a point where NASA gets like half a percent of the federal budget yeah. of uh, for their functioning. And so we do have some commercial companies now like SpaceX who are trying to commercialize space flight. But that's a very, very hard thing to do because you can't there's not a good risk reward uh, for the individual people in that. The, that's, gen- that's generally a position a government fills, is that yeah. kind of thing. I don't and, know, though. Elon Musk uh, watching his, his uh, rocket I love him. Land, land on on that platform out at sea was, was incredible, man. I was like, oh, I know. That blew yeah. my mind, man. Yeah. He's, and, you know, I, I hope that he is successful. Like, I love him. And, like, he's li- literally one of my real life heroes. Yeah. Um, Same here. And, but, you know, generally speaking across, you know, the nation, I think there's an attitude by a lot of people of, we shouldn't spend money on space travel when we can fix our problem. We should be spending it on fixing our problems here. Yeah. Problem is we're not fixing our problems here either. Exactly. So it's yeah. like exactly. you might as well spend it on, on space then. You know? Yep. Yeah, I'm, and my I'm, opinion is you can find answers to our problems here out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I've, I've been really, you know, irritated with the, the lack. Of, I mean, I, I was at NASA uh, 
about a month ago, actually. I live, live in South oh. Florida. We're pretty close. So me and my wife likes to go. We, we go sometimes. And we wanted to see uh, the shuttle that was on display. They put up the uh, – I can't even tell you which one. I can't even remember which shuttle it is. Darn it. But, you know, it, you know, the, it's interesting. When you go to NASA now, it's it's – Nothing about the present. It's all about the past. Yes. It's all about what they're what they say they're going to do in the future, and but there's no concrete plans. They got this Orion nope. project, you know, where they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go to Mars eventually, and da 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 da. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, the Mars One program probably has a better chance than than this <laughs> does. You know? Yeah. Honestly, you guys yeah. know the Mars One program, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's depressing. So and that's what I thought was interesting about project discovery was I figured that you, you probably felt that way too, which was the whole inspir you know, part of the inspiration anyway, for, for what you've, what you've done here. Yeah. And, and, and our story picks up in the 2060s and it's about a group of people who are reinvigorating a, a worldwide interest in space travel. That was going to be a question. One of my questions was, yeah, what's the motivating factor here in this as a, there's no space race, right? There's no communist versus, uh, right. You know, democracy race going on here. So what's their inspiration for wanting to go back to space? The inspir the people who do it, uh, love their explorers. That's what they love to do. And it's basically in our story. What happens is NASA gets shut down, uh, in 2048 and there's like an interim period where there's basically nothing for space travel. And then this group of scientists, engineers from NASA and other space agencies get together to form the Earth Space Agency, which is not a government program, but a public company, kind of like SpaceX. Um, and their mission, their goal, they're like everything that they're their operating directive is to reinvigorate public interest in space travel and take us to the stars via a warp ship and our, that's what our story is about it's about how these people are able to get some of the public interest back into space to get people talking about space travel again and the whole point of it is that we the, the point of the story is moving on from this sense of nationalism this sense of the united states has to plant their flag on the moon to a sense of humanity has to go out to the stars. And so our team is a multicultural team of people on this mission to take humanity to the stars. Okay. Mm. Okay, like that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, are you planning on using completely green screen or will you actually use some real sets with this? Uh, it'll be it'll be largely green screen. But, you know, for like a lot of the earth stuff, it probably won't be green screen because we can just use actual locations for that right okay so but, be some uh, location yeah but you know i learned so much doing green screen on horizon it's funny you know for me i know in the movie when some things were shot in the in the like in the timeline of when we were shooting and the stuff that was shot later i can tell it was shot later because the compositing is much better because the green screen shooting was much better <laughs> yeah and like i learned how to shoot and composite green screen on that movie. And so the ideas on this one is take everything I learned on that and do it again and do it bigger and do it better. Okay. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned right before that warp ship. Um, you planning, is this going to be, uh, are you going to use any real, is this going to be, in other words, is it going to be a hard science fiction type movie or is it going to be more Star Trek like where you kind of take liberties with the uh, technology? It's going to be medium. 
medium. medium science fiction. <laughs> so it's not completely hard in terms of like the fact that we do have artificial gravity on our ship. Okay. And, you know, part of the reason for that is because we don't have the budget to string people up and make them float around and right. fake artificial gravity. But what I mean, okay, so say you're going to have artificial gravity. Will, will your ship, the ship they're traveling on, will it have a, a spin, you know, a turning sphere so that, you know, it's simulating gravity? Or is this going to be a Star Trek thing where they just have gravity? Well, no, because part of the problem with that is it's not, like, when you look into the science, like, there's a lot of issues with that as well. Okay. And so we're, it's going to be more of a Star Trek-y approach, but we're going to have, like, a pseudoscience explanation because, uh, now, granted, I am not a physicist, but it is my opinion that if you had a device that can warp the fabric of space, which is what warp and faster than light travel is, mm -hmm. uh, then you should theoretically also be able to create a gravity field with it. Uh, now, I'm sure a real physicist out there is shaking their head at me, but I mean, <laughs> on the basic level, gravity is a warp in space-time. That's all it is. That's like the planet Earth warps the fabric of space and time, which is what pulls you to the ground. So if you can control space warps, then you should also be able to control gravity, and that's our pseudoscience. It's a really good. Uh, it's a really good. <laughs> you've already got me believing it, man. The way you just awesome. explained that. So. Awesome. I should have just been like really like, uh, and not even admitted that I don't. Uh, that I'm not, like, okay, this, this is how it works. So this there'll be lots of uh, techno babble then in this movie. Good Star Trek like techno babble. Well, and you know that's the thing. We're Star Trek fans. You know, like me and Ryan, we're Star Trek fans. Of course. And you know, Star Trek's we wear... convincing a lot. A lot of the time, it is things it's extremely yeah. convincing and there's some you know in some of it there's grains of truth but then obviously they you know take huge liberties with a lot of it but yeah yeah but we wear our influences on our sleeve you know in a lot of ways but it's while also still bringing our own sensibilities and our own storytelling and our own original ideas to it okay all right the last major question here about uh product discovery is there's gonna obviously you said there's gonna be aliens in it of some sort called the uh Sarah is that how you pronounce it Yep, Rakith, Sarakith. Um, <laughs> are they going to be uh, CGI based, humanoid based, combination of both? I know you mentioned makeup, and and one of the one of the uh, rewards for pledges is you can be in the film as an alien. So, how do you plan on tackling that? It'll be it'll be like the Star Trek thing, okay. you know, humanoid with with makeup. makeup. Okay, but you know, I I want to take it in an interesting and a little bit further of a direction. You know, then you're just average alien of the week. So there, you know, might be some CG interaction there as well with that. Okay. So you might use CG to touch it up or to make it look, make it look a little better, you know. Or... Yeah. I mean, like the thing is with that, like there's some really cool, like if you like one of the things I, I don't remember much about the movie, but that, uh, uh, that samurai movie that Keanu Reeves did, um, 47 Ronin or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was horrible. But, <laughs> it, it but was, there was. was. <laughs> there was this one, like, you know, guy who was, like, some sort of creature or spirit, like, in a cave or whatever. Yeah. And he didn't have, like, he had this weird, like, cut-off nose or something and some weird eyes. And that was a really cool way to integrate CGI with makeup. Yeah. So that's, like, if I was going to do that, that's the kind of approach that I would take. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of movies, and especially, it seems like, TV shows. I watch, me and my wife uh, admittedly watch a pretty fair amount of TV, and... um I think shows uh, there's shows like Grimm. I don't know if you ever watch Grimm. That that really oh, yeah. every week, every week there's a new monster type thing, and yeah. a lot of them some are CGI, some are practical, and some are definitely a combination of both. You know, it seems like a lot of shows are heading in that. They're kind of they using are. both. You know, Flash is doing that a lot. Uh, yeah, Supergirl. 
Arrow, you know, a lot of them are starting to do this more of a CG hybrid. real integration. Yeah, yeah, hybrid. It's a hybrid type thing. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, your writing partner is Ryan Weber. Yep. Correct. But he was, and he was in, he was in horizon, right? He was one of the, he was one of the, uh, crew. Of yeah. Ryan. He played our chief engineer, commander Francis Brooks. He, did. Yeah. he graduated full sail university. Is that in Florida? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Orlando? okay. <laughs> I, nice. I, uh, went to, uh, I didn't go to full sail, but I was in Orlando for four years going to college and I had a, quite a few friends that went there and graduated from there. Oh, cool. And I was there around the same time he was. So oh, it's kind of a small world. Yeah, he looks familiar. I mean, I hung around with a lot of those full sale guys, so I, I don't know. I may have run into him at some point <laughs> when I was there, but I don't know. Wouldn't that be crazy? I just thought I'd mention that because I thought that yeah, was cool. It's he funny. Full sale. You know, I knew a lot of guys that graduated from full sale. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. So that's all I got, man. We don't want to take up all right. your time. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Uh, thank you for the interview. I appreciate it. Uh, no and, you know like to help you any way we can, you know, we'll, we'll get the interview out and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, you know, put it out on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else, uh, when, when it's done. I'm Wherever next we week. can. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, well, definitely, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Right. No problem. It was a lot of fun talking to you, man. Yeah, you too. Uh, so, uh, don't forget to check out the Ponder Nerdcast on GameRebellion.com. That's where you can find our show every Monday, you know, so. Go there, you know, subscribe, like us and everything. And uh, also, I can't mention this enough. We're also on Google Play. You Now you can listen to us on your Android device whenever you want, <laughs> you know. Um, and also, definitely check out the uh, Kickstarter by Tommy Craft for the um, Project Discovery. Um, it The story sounds really awesome. I can't wait to see what is being pro- what's, what is the final product of that. I hope it gets funded and um, it just... It's, you know, it's making my imagination run. So um, until next time, guys, uh, we love you for listening. Bye for now.